0: Please take out your Bibles tonight and turn to the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 17. The Gospel according to Matthew chapter 17 if you would please. Matthew chapter 17 beginning verse 24. When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, yes. And When he came into the house, Jesus anticipated him, saying, where do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you'll find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. Please keep that text in mind for a few minutes as I relate to you some excerpts from an article entitled What Jesus Borrowed, written a few years ago by Brother Tom Waycaster. In the 33 years that our Lord sojourned upon this earth, he never once demonstrated a single shred of materialistic desire. I doubt seriously that he ever scanned the Jerusalem Daily News to see whether the stock market was up or down, called his bank to see how his investments were doing, or worried as to how much inflation might be eating away his little nest egg tucked away in some shady corner of his humble abode. On no occasion do we find that he carried with him one single Farthing. When he was asked about paying tribute to Caesar, his disciples had to bring him the penny for he was penniless. His only purse was the mouth of a fish that Peter caught. And when they parted his garments, about the only item he had of any value, and that was only to fulfill scripture, John 19, 23 and four, we do not read of them discovering any coin or notes. Our Lord never owned any property, never built a house, never laid by in store, never had a passbook savings account, and never placed one ounce of importance on what one might possess in this life. When his life was finished and his course completed, the only thing he could call his own was stripped from his sinless body and gambled away at the foot of the cross. Having no place to lay his head, Luke nine fifty-eight, he found his rest in the homes of those who were gracious enough to provide his daily sustenance and grant him a place of repose when the day was done. Today, Fortune 500 would rank our Lord a total failure. Forbes Magazine would not waste paper and ink to even mention his name And few, if any who are enamored with this world's material things would consider his words worth their attention. This they have demonstrated by their rejection of things spiritual for the glitter of the world. But history will attest that the greatest man that ever walked the face of this earth, if we dare even call him a man, was the most contented and the most influential individual who has ever lived. Last line in the line for our attention as we lunge into the sermon. Though he may have borrowed those things he needed from time to time, those who were gracious enough to loan to him what they possessed, soon learned that their investment returned mighty dividends that could not be measured in monetary value. And the point of reading that wasn't uh, say it's wrong to have savings or anything like that, that's not the point at all. The point I wanted to get to was that last part about the things he borrowed from time to time and those people that were gracious enough to loan him those things from time to time soon learning that their investment paid incredible incredible dividends you see until i read that article a few years back i never gave much thought to the idea that jesus was a borrower then i got to thinking not only about that but how abundantly blessed those people were that let him borrow from them, and in fact, how many blessings he brought forth from those things which he borrowed, they're actually beyond our ability to comprehend. So tonight, I wanna take a look at how incredibly blessed were the things that he borrowed before spending just a few minutes contemplating the even greater blessings that he bestows on those things he has purchased. I'm Gonna ask that you begin by turning in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter two, if you would. And although this first instance isn't something that Jesus himself borrowed, quote unquote, it was certainly something his earthly parents had to be loaned for a short time and that even as Jesus made his way into the world. We know the story. We know the story of Joseph and Mary and the trip because of the census and coming to the inn where there was no room. We, we know the story. I want us to begin reading in Luke chapter two, in verse seven. There was no room at the inn, so jesus is born in a manger it says in verse seven speaking of mary and she brought forth her firstborn son wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night and behold Verse 16, goes on to tell us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. (laughs) And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Now, I want you to consider with me how precious and blessed that borrowed manger must have been to those shepherds. You've heard the manger mentioned several times throughout that reading from Luke. The angels come and they say, you'll find this babe who is Christ the Lord. You'll find him in this manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. And and so that night, the shepherds come and they see this baby they come to understand who he is and it says in verse 17 when they had seen him they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child let me ask you a question can you imagine how precious that must have been to those shepherds Years down the road let's talk about years down the road said they told everybody years down the road Can you imagine them telling their children and their grandchildren? Let me tell you what? That night we were out tending our sheep And all of this and going through the whole story how many in in your family when you get together How many stories have your kids heard about incredible things that happened to you earlier? And, And I can't imagine that they just said oh, yeah, you know, we went to this inn, and you know, it wasn't that big a deal They told people, and people marveled. And and as it talks here about the saying, and the child, and how all those who heard it marveled, I I can't help but wonder, and the scripture doesn't say, but I can't help but wonder if maybe maybe some of those travelers in that inn later on heard what had happened there. Have you ever been somewhere, and something happened you didn't know about at the time, you found out later, and you go, oh wow, I was that close to that? What about the innkeeper? What about all of those people in the days that followed? Jesus was such a blessing to that borrowed manger, as it were. As an aside, just in case you don't think maybe that people were interested in later knowing what had taken place in that manger, you should see how ridiculously far they have gone to turn it into something just exactly the opposite of what the most disinterested in money and materialistic things man whoever walked the planet would have wanted i I, just a brief aside i i googled here a while ago the place where the manger maybe some of you have been to israel and you've seen this but when you look for pictures online this is supposedly the place where jesus was born And, and and what they what they have turned it into and all of the glitter and the glamour that surrounds where the manger supposedly Was and as I back out here with the next picture you can you can see it's it's this is close up Okay, now we'll take and go back a little bit and and look at all of the the glitz and and Gold and and all of these things and the marble and what people have turned it into And I just I found that stunning as we talk about Jesus never owning anything in this simple birth where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords Came that night and so few knew it and we look at what they have turned it into today it just blows my mind but what about all the things that Christ himself did have to borrow he himself had to either borrow or have loaned to him because he didn't have all those things that we read about what about the blessing that he brought to the borrowed pulpit you know Jesus had to borrow a pulpit turn to me to Luke 5 What an incredible blessing he used this pulpit that he borrowed to bestow. Luke 5, so it was as the multitude pressed about him, Luke 5 and verse one, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of their boats, which was Simon's. And he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. It wasn't his boat, it was Peter's boat. Peter's and his father's and the family fishing industry, if you will. When he'd stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for catch. He borrowed this seaworthy pulpit, if you will, taught from it for a while. And then Jesus, as he so often did, would take that which he borrowed and cause an incredible blessing to come from it. Yes, he taught them the word of God, which was obviously the most incredible blessing, but, but then look what he does for Peter, who has, if you will, loaned him this portable pulpit. Verses five through seven. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net." And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Now, remember, they've been out all night, haven't caught anything. But look how Jesus blessed them for what he had borrowed from them for just a few minutes. It says in verse 7, "...so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink." (laughs) Wow. Now, consider something else that Jesus borrowed. According to Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21, John six, one through 13, as well as the corresponding accounts of the same incident in Mark and Luke, we would see where Jesus borrowed and blessed a lad's five barley loaves and two small fish. Jesus borrowed them and blessed them. Five barley loaves, two small fish. He fed to the full a crowd of some 5,000 men besides women and children, and had dozens of baskets full of fragments and of the fish, according to Mark 6:42, left over. That is an incredible blessing. And again, The Bible doesn't give us every detail of everything, and I'm not trying to add to the scripture, but as I read that, and not just read over it, I I get to thinking, and, and I wonder, as an aside, I have a question. Where do you suppose the leftovers went? Think about it, I mean, it just told you, it's got all this fish and loaves left over, right? From five loaves, two small fish where the leftovers go, I don't know where they went, but here's my thought, for whatever it's worth. Personally, I'm guessing that on top of all the other blessings, that little boy probably went home with more fish than he started with. <laughs> Can you imagine him coming home and, and his mom and dad saying, son, you have, you, boy, have I got a story to tell you. You ain't going to believe this. <laughs> or maybe he runs into the house and and, and they think something is wrong with him or or he's scared or something, but just the blessing, the blessing, the incredible blessing. He probably had a fish story they found hard to believe. Jesus was always doing this. He was always borrowing, then bringing a huge blessing out of what he borrowed. Turn to me to Matthew 21. Matthew 21, here's Jesus borrowing again, Matthew 21.1, now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from trees, spread them on the road. The multitudes who went before, and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And they're celebrating. And when he came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, everybody. Saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Wow! Whole city is blessed with the entrance of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, they're all blessed. As Jesus is riding in on a borrowed animal. What a blessing for the city. But again, it's tied to something that Jesus borrowed. Verse 14, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. All of these blessings, all of these people getting healed of these diseases, all all of it started out with Jesus borrowing to ride into the city to fulfill scripture. Again and again, if we turn to Mark 14, beginning at verse 12, We see Jesus borrowing again, Mark 14, verse 12. Jesus needed a place to eat the Passover. Jesus told his disciples how to procure it. It says in Mark 14, verse 12, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him, wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared there. Make ready for us." So the disciples went out, came to the city, found it just as he had said to them, And they prepared the Passover and in the evening he came with the 12. I want you to take just a moment and I want you to think about all of the once in an eternity, once in an eternity blessings that Jesus bestowed in that borrowed upper room. He only borrowed it for a few hours But think about this. Think about all those once in in an eternity happenings. Imagine being there in this, this borrowed room and God in the flesh gets down on one knee and washes your feet, your feet, forget everybody else, your feet, Jesus. The very one who's going to be crucified in a few hours and three days later is going to be risen from the dead and is going to meet with these same disciples for 40 days and 40 nights according to Acts 1. That Jesus, and then they're going to see him arise and ascend into heaven. That Jesus gets down on his knee and washes your feet. That is a once in an eternity. It just... just, I'm standing here, it's almost like i get chills going down my spine just thinking about it. Think of the other blessings in that borrowed room. Think of the institution of the Lord's Supper. The new covenant in his blood, which we still celebrate to this day. He instituted that in a borrowed upper room. The blessings that come out of that room. Picture this. Picture sitting in that room with Jesus and having him pass you, the cup. Say, take this and divide it here. Take this and divide it among your Jesus hand. Those hands that would have the spikes driven through them, passing you just hours prior to that. The cup saying, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Those hands, those. Those hands that had rubbed dirt in the eyes of the blind and healed them, passing, you the cup that's a once in an eternity type of incredible blessing that came out of this borrowed upper room that evening and all the final instructions he gave to his disciples about his resurrection in return and everything in between and finally and lastly as we talk about those things that Jesus borrowed and brought incredible blessings out of Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea Matthew 27 57 through 60 as well as accounts in both the gospel according to Mark and Luke but You know what the beauty of that is? You want to talk about a blessing coming out of something borrowed? Wasn't his, as it were. Everything's his, I understand. But it wasn't his. You understand the context. The blessing that was going to come out of that, he's only going to need it for three days. He wasn't going to need it long. And the most incredible blessing in the entire universe, the most incredible blessing that has ever happened since, in, in all eternity, came out of that borrowed tomb three days later when Jesus came out of it. That I can't even, we could be here, all of us, from the youngest one, for the rest of our lives, and I could not begin to scratch the surface on the incredible blessing that it was when that borrowed tomb was empty just three days later. While the borrowed manger, where he was laid as a baby when he came into this world, was blessed beyond belief to hold him, the borrowed tomb, where he was laid as our sacrificial lamb when he left this world, blessed us beyond our ability to understand because it couldn't hold him. The manger was blessed to hold him. The tomb, it was a blessing to us, because it couldn't. Jesus came into this world and something borrowed. Jesus rose from the dead from something he borrowed for only three short days. Brother Waycaster made a comment in the article I began with, explaining how, quote, those who were gracious enough to loan him what they possessed soon learned that their investment return dividends that could not be measured. Now, there's two things that I want you to take home from this lesson. First one I'll be kind of brief with, second one is longer, so don't think we're done. Two things I want you to take home from this lesson. If Jesus, so blessed beyond measure, those perishable earthly elements which he simply borrowed for a short time. How much more of a blessing is he desirous and capable of bestowing on those eternally living things which are fully and truly his, those things which he actually paid for with his own You see, Jesus blessed beyond measure those who gave him perishable earthly things. The boat is a pulpit. The manger to be born in. Loaves and fish. Borrowed tomb. But how much more? How much more does Jesus want to Bless those things which it truly is. Listen, if you borrow something for a little bit and you give it back to somebody and you thank them or whatever, that's, that's fine. But if you're willing to go out and purchase something for yourself and you're willing to pay a lot for it, you tend to take pretty good care of it over time, don't you? You, and you, and you, and me, and all of us, Jesus, didn't just borrow us to be borrowed by Jesus is an incredible blessing he didn't just borrow us he bought us how much more of a blessing do we have than those things had Romans chapter 5 asks that same question please turn there Romans chapter 5 Love this text. Romans chapter five, verses six through 11. Answers that question. Romans five and verse six. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died, for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, how do you get on a level higher than that? While we were still sinners, Christ died for you and you and me and all of us. He died for us, make it personal, Jesus died for us. But then Paul says, but wait a minute. I got something even more. Well, really, Paul, you can take that to the next level? Yes. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, that is, having been purchased, having been purchased and made his own by his very blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And Paul says, but I ain't done yet. I'm going to take it up another level. Next verse. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. God wants so much to bless us that he didn't just borrow us. He bought us. That's point number one that I want you to take home. But point number two is this, and kind of the reason I went through those examples. How much are you allowing God to bless you? How much are you allowing God to bless you? You see, if you have not fully truly and totally given your entire self over to him, if you have not given your entire life over to him, if you have not given your entire soul and will and desire and self to Jesus Christ, then he simply cannot bless you to the fullest extent that he desires to. He can't. You've got to give it all to him. For example, think of the examples we went through and consider this. And again, the point is, if we haven't given him everything, every corner of our life, our soul, our will, all of it, then he can't bless us as much as he wants to. Consider this. We read about the being no room at the inn in Luke 2, right? Okay. What if the innkeeper had said to Joseph and Mary that night, you can do anything you want out there in the barn, out there with the animals except use my manger for crib, do not use my manger for crib. Would that place have been as blessed to be the birthplace of Jesus? No. No. What if Peter, that day that Jesus comes walking down the beach and preaching to the multitudes, what if Peter had said, okay Jesus, you can use my boat to preach from, to teach from, you can eat on it, you can sleep on it, or you can do just about anything you want, but I'm telling you there's one thing, I am not going back out there fishing. You can have the boat, sure, sure, preach from the boat all you want, you can preach all day long, but I've had a long day, I'm tired, I'm the professional fisherman, you're just a preacher, and I'm not going back out there fishing, so don't ask. Other than that, I don't care what you use the boat for. Would Peter have been as blessed at that point? Would he have caught all those fish? If he hadn't gone back out, of course he wouldn't have. Because he wouldn't have surrendered fully to Jesus. What if the young lad with the five loaves and the two fishes had said, I know, we don't know that he knew Jesus. But, so what if he would said? Um, I am not surrendering my entire morning's catch to a bunch of traveling strangers. Uh, No. Go catch your own fish. (laughs) Would he have been as blessed? No. What if the owner of the upper room had said, you can use that room, sure. But I don't want any food up there. What if he'd held back just just that one thing? Just, no, I don't want any food up there. Other than that, yeah, I don't care. You can pray, talk, teach, preach, do whatever you want, but, but no food in my upper room. Would the blessings have come out of that borrowed room like they did? No. Or what if Joseph of Arimathea had said, I don't mind surrendering up my new tomb for someone. but I'm not surrendering it up to some criminal that the Romans have crucified, because if I do, they may come after me for being friendly to somebody they were hostile to. I'm not chancing the Roman army coming after me. I want nothing to do with this guy. Without full and total surrender, none of those things Jesus borrowed would have been able to have been so blessed or such an incredible blessing to others. But they were surrendered fully. And the blessings were beyond measure because those things that Jesus borrowed were fully surrendered. If we would truly surrender ourselves totally up to Jesus, totally, completely, up to him who had no desire to simply borrow us, but would truly buy us back with his very own blood to be his very own people, to, to be with him for all eternity, then the blessings that we will experience are truly unimaginable. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through chapter 12, and verse 1. So, the question I have tonight Have you fully, fully, truly surrendered up every corner of your life, your will, yourself, to Jesus. Because until you've given it all to him, he can't bless you the way he wants to. If we come to Jesus with conditions, if we come to Jesus with restrictions, His blessings can't be full upon us. So tonight, if there's anybody here who has never repented and put Christ on in baptism, if you do that and you decide to do that tonight, understand that it's a full out surrender. Every bit of it. You'll be bought with a price. Therefore you are to glorify God in your body. You're to leave that old man of sin totally behind. We spoke a little this morning about sometimes it's possible to come forth from the baptistry and and maybe bring some of that stuff with us that should have stayed buried there. Or if you're somebody who's already been baptized into Christ but maybe didn't understand, you know, this means Jesus is Lord, not of just my life, but of my life, everything. Nothing's off limits to Jesus. You need the prayers of the church, more strength, maybe to surrender something up. If there's any way at all that we can be of help to anybody tonight, come on down front right now. Let us know how we can help. We'll be glad to do it as we stand in